0: And what's up? Welcome in West Metro here, Chris Clark, GC Live Monday episode. What's up, everybody? If you liked our our new intro on Friday, I liked it as well, but um, we're have we have to make some adjustments. Uh, Chris here got us a copyright strike on YouTube, so we can't use that song anymore. And if y'all haven't noticed, there's been a lot going on with actual content. So at some point, we're gonna get that sucker updated with a song. Uh, We thought it was copyright-free. We thought it was uh, rights-free or whatever it's called where you can use it anywhere. We were wrong. Uh, YouTube flagged us. So we're working on a new intro for now. We go back to the elevator music there because apparently nobody has copyright on elevator music. So anyway, he's Chris Clark. I'm Wes Mitchell. Big few days. uh, I guess three commits in four days, I believe, is the math there. Two commits on Friday and then one big commitment today with South Carolina flipping a commitment. From Georgia, by the way, if you if you want to go a little more in depth, we do have a couple of videos. Uh, one for Braden Davis on Friday, where we go a little bit in depth on him, and then of course uh, earlier today, the commitment of Donovan Westmoreland from Georgia to South Carolina, flipping from Georgia to South Carolina. Chris and I went in depth on that as well, and that's on our YouTube page, youtube.com/slash Gamecock Central free video, as always. And this video is free and brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond. Clint Hammond is, of course, the main man, uh, the top broker over there at the Mortgage Network right here in Columbia, South Carolina, right across from Dreher High School. ClintHammond.com, that's C-L-I-N-T-H-A-M-M-O-N-D.com, 803-771-6933. Great interest rates out there right now if you've been looking to buy or certainly it's something to look into uh, to maybe refinance and get yourself a little bit better interest rate, lower your monthly payment. And um, I know right now, frankly, it's hard to find a house to buy because they're, they go off the market in like literally three days. But if you're happy where you're at, you can refinance and either get a lower interest rate or maybe take out some of that equity that you've already built up in your house and get you maybe a, a uh, home equity line of credit or, or something like that. So check Clint out, clinthammond.com. Chris, no shortage, we said on Friday there was no shortage of things to talk about then, no shortage of things to talk about in Gamecock Nation here on Monday as well.
1: Yeah, man, I, I don't know if it's maybe quite as busy but um, as Friday because that was sort of nuts. But, yeah, I mean, a, a lot on the football front to talk about. Um, I did not catch, and this is atypical this season actually for me, I did not catch a lot of the baseball game or baseball games series this weekend. Called it sort of on and off. Watched chunks of the games. So obviously disappointing result for South Carolina there. Um, didn't get to take as deep of a dive as actually of actually live watching those, but might discuss that a little bit. Maybe you got some thoughts on that, but obviously the big news is on the football front because, um, and this is something we were talking about on that video you referenced, both with Braden Davis and Donovan Westmoreland. And then of course, looping in Tyrese Ross, the Washington state transfers that South Carolina has established itself with some recruiting momentum now. And we, we've been pointing to June as June 1st is, is the important date here, right? Because that's when in-person recruiting is reopening. That's when Shane Beamer wants to get prospects on campus basically every day of that month, no joke, um, for unofficial visits, for camp dates. There's 10 or so camp dates scheduled, a couple of big official visit weekends. Um, there'll be some midweek officials, the four-star running back Ramon Brown West, is a guy who's coming in um, for a midweek official and then a couple big weekends. So multiple four-star prospects, that's obviously an important time, but what South Carolina has gone and done in the past few days is to pick up a transfer at a need need position, pick up a quarterback at a need position. Obviously you got to sign, try to sign a good one of those every year for multitude of reasons. And then flipping Donovan Westmoreland for Georgia. So, Big news there, and so a lot going on on the football recruiting front with things starting to pick up there.
0: Yeah, what's up to everybody in the chat? I see we already got a lively group in here. Hope y'all are doing well. Um, Josh Campos says he can help find that house if you're looking, so um, we'll get we'll give Josh a free shout right now, Josh Campos. Hey, Josh, give me a, shoot me an email, man. I got a question for you, west at GamecockCentral.com. Again, west at GamecockCentral.com. Uh, yeah, hope everybody's doing well. Hope it's not a very Monday, Monday. Hope it's like a solid Monday and uh, plenty to talk about. As we said, not a good weekend for Gamecock baseball. Really, just I ah, could not get anything going. Could not build any momentum um, against Ole Miss. Same situation, lose Game One, but just uh, couldn't really do anything in Game Two or Game Three. We probably won't harp on that a whole lot because I don't think any of you. For one, it, it's sort of it almost feels outdated when they don't play on Sundays. And then two, I don't think y'all want to talk about that, especially when we have some some good things to talk about as far as South Carolina goes, as far as some recruiting momentum. And this is something I'm a firm believer, Chris. Recruiting momentum is a real thing. Some people don't believe that. I think it's even it's an even bigger deal in today's world, as connected as these kids are, and as much as they pay attention to other guys, pay attention to what they're you know, teammates or just people they follow on Twitter are doing. And uh, so, so it's certainly a good thing for it even if you don't believe in recruiting momentum, it can't be a bad thing, you know, right. but right. I tend to think it's an actual, even if you can't quantify it, I think it's a very big deal to be able to, especially if you can keep it going into June. And, you know, I think you, you have some guys now, Chris, you can start to build this thing around and you know nobody has taken official visits yet kids are locking in their official visits but if you're South Carolina you've got a couple of kids in in Braden Davis and Grayson Maines who already have evidence are going to be recruiting others for you at South Carolina so I think you get them in have them take their official visit one of these big weekends when other guys are going to be in um you know that, that can be invaluable to have somebody that's not on the payroll, you know, talking up the school to these kids while they're on, on your campus.
1: Yeah, it is. And, and that's the other thing. So with a new staff is going to come, you know, a different feel. We've talked about that a lot. It's something that, you know, Shane Beamer and his staff, they've really tried to establish the culture part of that they they've used social media. They've used Shane Beamer, especially she used every media opportunity that he can to sort of drive home that point of, of, you know, just doing things differently and, and the feel within the building, the positivity. And so I think, you know, there's been a lot of really good returns internally from the program, not, not even from committed recruits, just from, you know, players and people who are around the players, a lot of positive vibes, you know, before they head into season one. Um, and so when you bring in these recruits for these summer official visits, you know, you get them around your team even a little bit. That's the type of thing that helps as well because they're going to be asking questions. And if the players can can show them, hey, this is what it's like, they're going to give them some, some real feedback on what things are actually like. Is the coaching staff real? How are things here? How does practice run? Uh, what's What's it like to be a student athlete? them being able to give those answers, I think is pretty significant. Then you add in a guy, like you said, Wes, Braden Davis, Grayson Maines, um, you know, maybe linking up with some of those guys as well. Um, And recruits tend to take notice, you know, the whole, the whole notion of recruiting momentum is, you know, receiver, some receivers may be looking at South Carolina right now. And one thing that they know, right, there's some knowns there. There's probably an opening for early playing time at South Carolina uh, they're going to play very good competition week in, week out. They're going to have a good fan base. You're going to have great facilities. All those different things. Um, they're they're gonna like the coaching staff probably with Justin Stepp and Shane Beamer and, and different guys like that. But their question may be, well, what about the quarterback situation? And for some of those guys, you know, seeing a guy like Braden Davis commit may help alleviate any of those concerns. It could help attract them, whatever it may be. And and we've seen these types of little runs in the past under multiple different coaches where you know, they'll pick up some, some steam, pick up some momentum, hit a few commits. We don't know if there's any other ones coming, you know, before the month of June. But we do know that, um, you know, there has been a nice little lead up and things are really going to pick up and intensify in June with, with camps and official visits.
0: Well, and I think momentum for me, I mean, we, we saw I feel like we saw some teams last recruiting class and it kind of. One of these examples, it sort of fizzled out mm-hmm. as things went along. Um, one of them being, I think, early on, Tennessee yeah. really built up some recruiting momentum, and it kind, of, but it sort of snowballed on itself in that kids saw saw spots starting to get tight, and they saw big time players, and it may not even be players that um, they really know all that well, specifically as far as like friendships, but just. It almost serves as a well. If that guy's going there, let me check this place out too. And I think the other one in this region that I'll give credit to would be North Carolina. I, I thought they really, uh, you know, with Mac Brown, built a lot of recruiting momentum last class, and we're, you know, we're basically able to say, okay, we, you know, this is a place where kids need to take notice. And when when kids see other big time players. You know, especially if you can start getting some in-state guys, um, that that matters. Because they, they're like, it, it may not land the kid for you, but it at least makes you say, well, let me go see what this new Shane Beamer staff is like in person. Let me go see this ops building that I've only seen video of to this point. It If it just gets you in the door, then that gives you a chance once you get them on campus. So, I, uh, I again, like I said, you can debate how big of a deal it is, I tend to think, especially with South Carolina being in a situation where they've struggled on the field the last couple of seasons, I I think it's a big deal. And I I think Braden Davis is a guy, as we dive into him, I guess we'll dive into all three commits. We'll start with him. He pulls the trigger about 6 o'clock on uh, on Friday night, Chris, and and gets in with with this class. And I think he's a guy, personality-wise, will be – able to connect with kids, but also is going to be willing to put in the work to try and and recruit other guys with him at South Carolina. We're actually efforting getting him on the show here at some point this week to, to chat live with us. But Chris, you know, I, I I look back and I I thought about this earlier today. I really just respect the way Braden Davis handled the process. Um, Even down to the fact that, you know, I got asked the question on, on one of the other shows I was doing on JB and Goldwater and they were sort of talking about the disconnect between his offer list and the final schools. And you know, my, my response to that was was look, hey, quarterback recruiting is so different than every other position. It's essentially musical chairs. And you know, you can get an early offer, and you may be one of their top quarterbacks, or you may be a little bit down the board, but but when you when you get that offer. I mean, it's an offer. Like, um, you're not lying about the offer. Like, it's a legitimate offer. Now, as schools fill their positions, you know, it's – in different school. like in Alabama, they they basically – it's different for them. They have, like, camp offers. Like, mm-hmm. it's literally an offer for you to come to camp and throw for their coaches unless you're just, like, the top dude or top two dudes on their board. Right, um, But it's a little different. But the thing I liked about what Brady Davis did, first of all, his final group that he put out there, it was actually his final schools. Like it, what, it, it was the schools that were still showing him love and still recruiting him, whereas we see some guys, maybe you throw that Alabama offer on there, maybe you throw that Auburn offer in that final list just because it looks better, you know, like – you, you you hype up the offer list a bit just uh, for sort of the the vibe of picking this school over these two, even though as time has gone on, maybe those schools haven't shown you as much love. These were the schools, and it's still a really good list. I mean, Stan- if Stanford is recruiting you as a quarterback, A, means you're a talented dude. B, it means you're a sharp, smart dude. So, you know, I, I thought, A, I liked that part about it. B, I liked how he went out and did his own true due diligence about the schools, visiting himself, doing the self-guided tours. And this wasn't just let me go ride through Columbia. You know, when I talked to him after his virtual visit, we talked about his self-guided tour. And he's like, I went to campus. I drove by the stadium. I drove by the ops building. I went through five points. Hopefully he didn't stay there too long. I went down by, um, he went down the, the river walk which I actually think is probably one of the most underutilized or under talked about areas in all of Columbia, as far as being a really nice place that honestly, now that we're thinking about it here, Chris, that probably needs to be a part of the recruiting deal with South Carolina anyways, to get kids down near that river walk. Beautiful area. If you're in Columbia, take your girlfriend down there, take her for a walk, take her for a picnic, promise you, you'll have a good day that day. Chris, Chris, i just I just like the way the kid handled everything the commit the commitment was on time it started exactly six oh oh he thanked everybody and then he committed there was no b s there was no you know it it was just it was professionally done from
1: beginning to end am i am I wrong am i right nah no, you're definitely right and and that's what we've heard about him you know i I wasn't really surprised i <laughs> I'll back up. There's sometimes uh, always a little bit of like a sense of dread for us when we're watching a commitment, covering a commitment because it's always like, okay, it's what, you know, say the commitment's at one o'clock. All right. How, how, how much longer until it starts 30 minutes, whatever. We've seen some doozies on that front. Um, But with Braden Davis, you know, when I tuned in, I got the sense that this thing's going to be okay. It's going to start on time. You could sort of tell. And that's the way that he's handled everything. I mean, people rave about him. A lot of the early offers that he got, Wes, and you mentioned some of them, like Alabama, the early offer. Again, a lot of times it's, you got an offer, come to camp, throw, we'll see how it goes. Clemson had an early offer out. Um, I think Georgia had an early offer out, you know, and and their boards evolve over time. Um, That happens with every school. But, uh, something that you sort of the common theme that you heard just sort of circulating throughout the recruiting industry was that Davis was a guy that college coaches really loved his demeanor and, you know, how he conducts himself, what he's about academically strong um, from a personality standpoint, he checks a lot of those boxes. And then you look at the on-field talent and the the upside, the ceiling that he still has, and, and it was a good, you know, sort of combination there. So, yeah, I think he handled it really well. Uh, good brief speech there that sort of broke it all down. No drama. And uh, it looks like South Carolina's is getting a guy that's going to handle all the things the right way. I, I remember talking to his coach, you know, Zach Bloom. We had a little bit of audio from him the other day on that Braden Davis video. Had a coach's corner piece with him up. Had some really great thoughts on Braden. And um, that was one of the things he mentioned. He said from – you know, from a locker room standpoint, you're getting a guy that you don't have to worry about. You know that he's going to represent you as a coach the right way. He's going to represent your school the right way. And so that's that's what you want. Because even, you know, Wes, we hear about guys even at the quarterback position where you know maybe they're really talented or they have a lot of potential. But there's some things there you sort of worry about in terms of, you know, demeanor or work ethic or whatever it may be. And it appears there aren't any issues there with Braden Davis.
0: Yeah, and that's uh that's what you want in your quarterback spot, man. You you gotta have a guy that has the leadership qualities, the intangibles. I I dare say it's as important as, as any part. I know we like to get caught up in the you know, a big arm or super athletic guy or the frame and all this other stuff. At quarterback, you better have some intangibles, better be able to process information quickly. And uh, you better be able to to get in that huddle or the no huddle, whatever it may be. But you better be able to to lead the guys around you. And I, I think Braden Davis certainly has all those qualities. He's he's the son of an athlete as well, who has uh, you know who knows what it's like, who knows what it's like to be a a, a team sport guy, and uh, all those things that I think are important. And now South Carolina has their guy for uh, for twenty twenty two, which was important to get that quarterback locked in now I'm going to go out and recruit some big time receivers you know whether it's antonio williams whether it's uh cj smith who by the way had a blazing time uh, do you remember the exact time from this weekend
1: I think Chris? it was i think it was 10 to 6 10 to 8 in the 100 something like that it was moving
0: yes he is, he is a he's a guy that has not quite as, been as well known among South Carolina fans yet, but as someone that Justin Stepp has been after for, for quite a bit, uh, CJ Smith down there in Florida, Orlando area, keep an eye on that guy. He's been steadily getting faster, and he's someone that South Carolina will have in this summer, official visit, and someone that I, I think would, would go a long way towards helping fix some of the speed issues that I, I think South Carolina has had offensively the last couple of years. So start start adding a couple of these receivers in and then you really have something to work with there on offense. So let's go down the list again, Tyrese Ross. You know, we talked to him I think it was about a week and a half ago, now Chris when he was talking to South Carolina, but he wasn't quite sure yet if it was like an actual offer situation, they were going to get back to him after the spring game. They followed up on that as promised. They talked to him it sounded like it sort of just uh, grew throughout the week, as far as the interest. Talked to the entire staff, uh, you know. I think you look. Uh, Clayton White was heavily involved. Torian Gray was heavily involved. Obviously, Beamer's involved with every kid. It seems like that they recruit. He gets the official offer on Friday, commits on the spot. Essentially, um, he did. It was kind of different. He did some interviews on Friday night, and even sa- he said, you know, you can run these stories, and then d- he did. Didn't, I guess, make it official himself, put it out publicly himself until today on Monday, but uh, the Game Gamecocks get Tyrese Ross a transfer from Washington State, but uh, you may be saying, well, why is the guy transferring from Washington State? Well, he played his ball in Georgia, and he's from Jacksonville, so an opportunity for him to get back sort of towards the Southeast, play in the SEC, three years to play three. I know that's a big thing with the transfer, guys. How many years does he have? Basically, that makes him – he's like a redshirt sophomore. He has no redshirts left, but he does have three full seasons left that he can play. And, Chris, I I look at it – I don't think this is necessarily a guy that we're going to say, you know, expect him to be, you know, all SEC right off the bat. Not saying that necessarily. But I think he's a guy that you look at the needs – You look at what he brings to the table. He'll be competing for a starting spot um, right off the bat, regardless. Uh, Now, will that be safety? Will that be nickel? The first time I talked to him, it was more safety, safety, nickel, all possibilities. When I talked to him Friday night, it was more, you know, one of the two safety spots. So whether that, you know, he comes in, locks down one of those spots, and then allows somebody else to play some nickel, whether he in the mix at nickel, we'll see all the details once they get it out there. It's all about getting the best five on the field. But at I, I think at the very least, instant depth guy at the best, then you know may, maybe you, you got yourself a, a new starter here.
1: Yeah, and that's what it goes back to, sort of being you know resourceful in these early stages of Shane Beamer's tenure at South Carolina um, from a roster standpoint. You know, there there are some good in terms of depth and talent spots on this roster. You know, for instance, you could point to running back, you could point to defensive line and there are others that are really significant question marks and defensive back would definitely qualify as one of those. And in fact, may qualify for me, Wes, as the biggest one on the team. You know, there's a good argument to be made for that. And so you can't flip that overnight that the way to, get out of that is obviously through recruiting, whether it's transfer portal, junior college, um, high school route. And so we've seen South Carolina, you know, the 2021 class, Shane Beamer's first, obviously you build that class under crazy circumstances that have never happened in college football. Um, So you you're taking a bunch of transfers more than you'll probably ever see South Carolina take. You're seeing some high school guys, you're seeing Juco guys sprinkled in at other positions and we knew that the staff would keep their eyes open for some additional um, help at, at numerous positions at the transfer portal if they came along. And so this was one that came along that made some sense. So again, we're not projecting first round pick, instant starter, as all SEC, whatever you want to call it. But we do know that South Carolina needs some help, needs some depth. Frankly, Wes, they need some more able bodies, really, at defensive back based on you know, what we knew coming into the spring and exiting spring, they had some guys that were still banged up, whatever it may be. And they'll they'll get back healthier. you would think. Obviously, heading into the season, you have a whole summer, you have a preseason camp, all those things to get ready before the season. But we do know they need some more bodies with experience. And so, uh, for them, it made a lot of sense to take a guy like Tyrese Ross, who has played well at times at Washington State. Yes, some NFL bloodlines. His dad uh, played a couple of seasons for the Dallas Cowboys, his brother Dominique plays at UNC. And so um he, he's done some pretty good things at Washington State. And so you gotta hope that this is a guy that can come in and help you on special teams, help add some depth, and ideally can help you even more. Maybe he, like you said, he takes he's good enough to take a starter role. We'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, a big hitter, man. That that's the that is one thing I will tell you without doubt is this guy will knock your head off. And he is hey, we, we talked about it. They've got to have guys that can play special teams and play well there. Yeah. Um, this dude, I would almost guarantee when South Carolina, if he's healthy when South Carolina's first kickoff team of the season runs out there, Tyrese Ross will be on it uh, because they, they've they lacked some of those guys. A lot of those are your linebackers, your safeties, your kids who can move, but also are, are good tacklers. They, they need more of those. It just is what it is. They do, yeah. and I, I think he'll fit in. That that's not like a glamour thing by any means, but it matters. You you look field position. If you have if first of all, you gotta have guys that can get down there. Second, you have to have guys that can make tackles. If they can't get down there, then they're making the tackles, you know, five or ten yards difference as far as your average field position. And then if they can't make the tackles, that's when you're having big plays. So obviously that that's a big thing that gets lost in the shuffle sometimes and that uh, is a need for South Carolina, and as dude, as you talked about, I mean, there were times this spring. Uh, granted, a lot of it injuries played a part, but you can't even put uh, like a two deep out there in order to truly scrimmage without getting deep into like your walk on pool of guys. That that's a problem, you know. I, I think you you need to at least feel like you have a two deep worth of nothing to walk, nothing against walk ons, man. But ideal world. You want a two deep full of scholarship guys and at all your positions, you know, your five main spots in the secondary to to be healthy and to to like where you feel pretty good about them as a coaching staff. And they just didn't have that, you know, this spring. That doesn't mean some guys haven't stepped up. Some guys had good springs, but you just need you need more of it. You need more of them. So we'll see if Tyrese Ross can come in and do that. Earlier today, Chris, we'll move on to our, the third commitment. A kid, again, we, we've got – by the way, if you're not on Gamecock Central, go check it out. Front page is loaded up. Uh, you've got an inside the commitment from Chris. you got a – he actually talked to, uh, to Donovan as well. So, full front page, just like we had a full front page of Braden Davis stuff on Friday, full front page of Donovan Westmoreland, a kid that South Carolina flips from Georgia today and uh, – I think – you know what? The thing I like about the show, Chris, or about podcasts in general is we can expand a little bit more. I think – and this ties into actually both of these commitments. I think the recruiting industry, the future of the recruiting industry, I don't want I, – I, I say we do away with pro-style and dual-threat quarterbacks, or at the very least rename it. Like what even is a pro you could have a pass first quarterback and a dual threat quarterback, but pro style the pros have as many dual threat quarterbacks now as they do old school pro style quarterbacks. That makes no sense. Yep. Yeah. Do away with that. And let's let's tweak the front seven in the way we categorize guys. He is listed as an outside linebacker. Technically, you know, he, he is as far as how South Carolina wants to use him. But we, we sort of, whether are you in a 4-3 scheme, are you in a 3-4 scheme? Are you an outside linebacker as far as like a buck, which is a pass rusher? That's an edge spot. Or are you an outside linebacker like traditionally, you know, traditionally in a 4-3, you would think of like, well, the middle linebacker is the inside backer, and then the Sam and the Will are like your two outside backers because they're outside of the middle linebacker. Mm -hmm. This kid, if you look at the film, you look at who recruited him for South Carolina, you look at how he's going to be used, he is not a traditional backer. like He's not going to come in and play the Will in South Carolina's scheme, at least as far as how we project him right now. He is an edge guy. To me... We need – I would essentially say you have like a traditional linebacker spot. You have an edge spot, which is a, any type of pass rush edge guy. And then you have an interior lineman spot, which is uh, basically anybody as far as you know any type of defensive tackle. This kid on rivals right now is called an outside linebacker. But he is an edge rusher, I think, as far as what he looks like as a prospect.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, interesting background for Donovan because he played DB earlier in high school, you know, and then he transitioned to sort of an edge spot in Griffin, Georgia's, Stephen Griffin is high school there in Georgia. He transitioned to that spot, put on some weight in the offseason, about 215 pounds, and rushed the passer, dropped back some, went and chased the football sideline to sideline. That was sort of his role in that defense. And so it is an interesting thought of just how does he project? Well, when you look at the skill set, you look at the first step, you look at how he moves, what he can do, and his profile where he can continue getting bigger, Um, certainly he looks like a guy that could play that edge spot in South Carolina's defense. You know, from a skill set standpoint, like could he play a will linebacker? Probably so. Um, But it seems like he's best suited to go chase the quarterback, you know, to go play on the line, go pursue the – go pursue the ball carrier on the line, whether it's a pass rusher trying to get disengaged from a blocker and go chase down a running back. That's sort of what he does best. And then you look at who was involved in the recruitment. You know, Jimmy Lindsay was involved. Who's South Carolina's sort of, he's called the defensive line coach, but he coaches the interior guys. Right. Um, But that was sort of, he had the connection. That's his area in Georgia. But then you look at Mike Peterson's involvement. He was heavily involved in this one. And Mike Peterson, of course, is the, sort of edge, or I guess they call him technically the outside linebacker coach, right, Wes? But he's the guy that coaches that edge position in the ends for South Carolina. And so he was heavily involved, and I understand did a really good job, too. So that sort of leads you to believe that South Carolina's plans for Donovan Westmoreland are to play him as that edge-type player in the defense. Put industry leading, difference-making, and tomorrow shaping on your to-do list. Explore Deloitte Technology Careers at deloitte.com/slash-tech-careers and engineer your future at Deloitte.
0: Yeah, and you know we we do get there's some semantics involved here with some of this stuff, and you know before South Carolina had the Buck, and it was they had the old defense. It was like a defensive end spot and the Buck spot were 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 named differently. They were different guys you recruited for them, and we sort of thought the Buck was going away, but then. You look at how they structure things here, how Clay White structured his defense at Western Kentucky, what we saw in the spring game. There is a lot of times already where the edge guy, the the defensive end guy, is standing up. You know, it is not always with his hands in the dirt. A lot of and a lot of times it's both guys with their, you know, that are stand up edge rushers. I don't know if they're gonna be asked to do quite as much coverage. You know, the Buck actually dropped back quite a bit and coverage, and depending on the personnel, depending on who it was, depending on if they felt comfortable with them doing that, maybe not quite as much of that, but certainly as far as a stand-up edge, outside linebacker-ish type spot, but it's really kind of a defensive end spot. Uh, lots of semantics involved in all that, but um, essentially, I think you look, you look big picture, man. Defensive line is not a need for South Carolina right now, like as far as you look at the current team, in the same sense we talk about that spot, you know, compared to like the secondary. Mm-hmm. But ideally, you want to be recruiting for two, three years down the road when you're recruiting young players like this. So I think you start to look ahead. Aaron Sterling's gone after this year. Um, you know, you look ahead. You you brought in Jordan Strong. Like, you, you know, you, you have a lot of upperclassmen. Um, JJ Nkparae is of course going after this year, so you have a lot of upperclassmen at that that edge defensive end spot. So you do need to be thinking about who's going to be there to step up and replace these guys as starters, and then who's going to be there behind that to to step in as as your depth. So I think it is important to to get a you know an edge guy or or probably two. Um, I, I think in this class.
1: Yeah, I mean you mentioned Sterling and Ibare, strong upperclassmen guys, and then you know, some guys that are still relatively young in terms of experience with like a Tyreek Johnson who's been playing on the edge, Rod Fitton, um Jordan Birch of course be a junior next year when a guy like Donovan Westmoreland's on campus, Jordan Birch will be a junior. And so presumably if he has if he has a fantastic year, he's the type of talent that could be in position to have a decision to make after his junior season. So Ah, uh, Gilbert Edmond, another young edge guy. So there are some questions. I mean, the the two most productive guys for South Carolina over the past couple seasons, in Enigbari and Sterling, both gone right after this year. And so you're going to need to have some folks waiting in the wings. Now, presumably, a lot of those come from the current roster. A guy like Birch, of course, will be he he might be a starter this year. There's a great chance of that, um, but he'll you know be ready to take the next step forward. But you need to start developing some younger guys too. So. A nice get for the Gamecocks. A, a get that is sort of capturing some people's attention, Wes. It's going, okay. You know, the, the last, you know, I don't know if people are counting the Ross headline quite as much because it's a, you know, just call it like it is. People are saying Washington State transfer, DB, et cetera. But we were talking about this off air today. People love to talk about quarterbacks, whether it's on the team, the starter, the backup, the third string recruiting quarterbacks, it's always a hot button topic. And I think it's the same when you talk about flips, you know, flipping a recruit, especially flipping one from Georgia, something that's going to get a lot of attention. So a lot of positive buzz about that. But then even beyond that, you look at the actual nuts and bolts of it. You're adding a player who has a really, really interesting skill set.
0: Yeah. And I think, let's see, we got a couple of questions here. Um, Chris, Jason wants to know your email. What's your email, man?
1: Jason, my email is Clark, C-L-A-R-K, at GamecockCentral.com. Craig wants to
0: know, where is Gilbert Edmond going to play? I would imagine an edge spot, but uh, that's not a guy that's really come up a whole lot lately, I guess. Haven't heard his name mentioned much, so we'll see there. Wow, back-to-back Craig questions here. How many more scholarships do we have to offer? It kind of depends on how you how you want to frame it. I think, Craig, uh, you know, as far as, like, this class of guys like Tyrese Ross, uh, like, the guys that are coming in right now, like, that will affect the uh, the 2021 season. Then, you know, you have – you're out of scholarships, essentially, but you can push them forward, bring somebody in in August, and I think if, if you're South Carolina, anybody that could truly, like, help you and you feel like is a good kid that fits your culture, fits what you're trying to bring in, then I don't want to say it's, it's unlimited, but if a guy can help, you're going to bring him in. Now, as far as scholarships for, for 2022, I mean, right now you only have a few guys committed. So it's kind of a situation there. You got what four commits. So there, there's still a ways to go right now. You would imagine I, I mean we haven't specifically been told what the deal is with with Ross but uh, I mean I would think he's going to have to count in the numbers for 22. So so basically right now you have 20 spots left, right? So you I mean you're nowhere close to even think having that conversation is I guess the easiest way to frame that up.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, if we really wanted to do a deep dive, we could go through okay, here's how many scholarships South Carolina's at, here's you know, we could do that. But it really it'd be sort of a fruitless exercise at this point, because by the time that you need to actually count the 22 class, in other words, when they actually go on the books from a scholarship standpoint, the picture is going to be different. It depends on right now we know, OK, these seniors are going to roll off the roster. That's really all that we know. How many seniors are coming on or rolling off the roster You've got potential, you know, are there going to be any early NFL defections? Are there going to be any more transfers from the roster? What kind of attrition? Um, Those are the types of things that you need to know. You know, a lot of times you can look at scholarship numbers and a team is not going to have the full 25 at that particular time. It tends to work out to where the numbers get a little bit more open as time goes on in the class. Now, that doesn't mean... You can't sign a full 25 and enroll a full 25 every year and not lose anybody because over the course of, you know, four classes, you know, that's 100 guys. <laughs> you can't you're not going to be able to do that because you got 85 scholarship slots. So it just um, it, it just depends. So right now. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Wes. There's not really a hard number that anyone needs to count says this is, how, you know, South Carolina's got 11 scholarships left. What Whatever the technical answer is, and I don't have it right now because I honestly have not calculated it, not something to worry about right there.
0: Yeah, I mean, Chris, I generally – I don't even look at the 85 anymore. I feel like like ultimately, uh, ultimately most – it seems like it always ends up being whatever you can fit as far as the 25 goes. Or like if, you know, South Carolina, they've gotten – because you – all right, y'all, for the, the like big – like the whole forest deal here. You always have the 25. When people say, well, how many scholarships are left? Are you talking 25 or are you talking 85? You have 25 every year. You have 85 total that can be counted. So, generally for South Carolina, the thing that's always been their limitation has been the 25. And part of it is because you've been pushing guys forward, which right now, you know, it, it appears they'll be pushing one forward in Tyrese Ross. Push. But if you push several forward, then you can only take you know twenty one or twenty two or, or whatever, and they've been in. That's been their limitation. Generally, you have enough, and nowadays you're going to have so every school's going to have so many transfers. You're going to have enough people coming off the books that the eighty five, that whole thing of the, the numbers always work out. That really, to me, doesn't apply anymore to the twenty five because you do come up with issues where you, you don't have room. But as far as the 85, it sort of does tend to work itself out. I I feel like. So um and especially like Chris said at this early point, you're recruiting. This is the class of 2022. So you're recruiting to next year's team. So who comes off the books this summer that just transfers out? Who comes off the books next offseason that transfers out? You know, so generally I think you're aiming, most schools are going to aim for a full class every single time. Um, we, we've got several questions on here about what uh, do we, does this get to be considered a true flip, or was Georgia um, shunning the kid? Was Georgia pushing him out, et cetera, et cetera? Um, you know, I, Chris, well, first and foremost, I will say if Georgia was backing off the kid, or if they weren't recruiting him as hard as they were. And generally, unless a kid messes up, I mean, especially this early, it would be something like that. Like maybe you're just not showing him quite as much love. And, you know, a guy's like, well, they're not not talking to me like they once were. Let me look around. First of all, Georgia accepted the commit from him from the first place. So I tend to believe if you're Georgia, and, you know, we've seen South Carolina in the past, we've seen them push guys out of their class. It happens. My belief is, first and foremost, if you sort of ease off of a guy, then you don't get to turn around and say, well, we pushed him out. We didn't really want him. If, if you took the commit from him, I think you got to own the fact that he got flipped from you. Even, even if you, even if you backed off. Like, you know, if you took the kid, you took the commitment, you accepted it. You didn't have to accept it. So, to me, if you're in the Georgia fan base or you're the Georgia coaching staff, I don't think you get to say, oh, well, we didn't really want him anymore. Well, you took the commitment, and it was literally the year 2021. Like, it, this was not a year ago. Yeah. So, in my opinion, if you accepted the commitment, you got to wear the flip and you got to accept that Shane <laughs> Beamer flipped the guy from you or not. Whether or not they, you know, were they easing him out? Were they doing whatever? I don't know. But to me, you got to wear it.
1: Yeah, and, and I don't think uh, so. Uh, to be upfront, I don't totally know. That's something we're we're sort of asking, and I haven't gotten like a great answer on it yet. the The first thing I would say is it doesn't matter, right? I understand why people want to know, because I think in some ways, some people think, well, if Georgia didn't want him, it's not as big a victory. Maybe he's not as good of a player. There are a lot of good players that Georgia either straight up didn't want or they sort of dilly dallyed around with, or whatever it may have been that turned out to be really good players at South Carolina. Let me give you a good one. J.C. Horn. Georgia didn't really push for him early. They tried to come in late. You didn't really hear a lot about it. They messed up. Remember, South Carolina was able to get J.C. Horn a former Tennessee commitment. J.C. Horn's pretty good. So if Georgia – you know, at one point, Georgia didn't really push for him. So apparently their opinion was they didn't need to offer this in-state kid. Um, that was a pretty bad decision because he's obviously really, really good at football. You know, Eric Norwood, that's not a guy Georgia wanted. You know, there's a bunch of them. Um, and so, look, you know, and if and if Georgia flips some kid off South Carolina's commitment list, doesn't necessarily mean he's tremendous. You know, it's just one of those things. But we we don't know the firm answer to that right now but I don't think it's really something to worry about you know, that much you know, for the reasons that you said it. And like you said, man, it wasn't early. It was January of this year. Um, Shane Beamer was in place at South Carolina. You know, I guess at the time of that commitment, we knew we've been tracking this one for a while less. I mean, not in terms of an imminent flip like the past couple of days, but we knew that South Carolina was going to remain in touch and that Donovan Westmoreland was open to those overtures. So it is pretty recent. This isn't a deal where you take a commitment two years ago, an extremely early commitment, and the guy doesn't really develop how you think, and you just sort of back off. Now, will Georgia be able to recruit on paper um, a comparable player? Because of the level that they're at in recruiting right now, probably so. Um, but nonetheless, I- I'm with you with exactly what you said. you, you got to own the situation. And for South Carolina – you shouldn't really worry about how it happened. What if he was uncommitted? You got an edge rusher out of Georgia who's a good prospect.
0: Yeah, and I, I mean, let's see when did he commit? January 22nd. So, I mean, it, it it literally just happened not that long ago. And this is Georgia did not play spring football as far as, you know, some of these some of this, what I'm talking about some states played spring ball instead of fall ball. This is not he did not he's not had a season for you to be like Oh, we scouted him. He's not what we thought. Like, no what has happened? We had him in
1: camp. He wasn't good. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, they're, so you can't. haven't had any camps, so yeah. I mean,
1: yeah.
0: To me, if you're Georgia, you got to own it. Sorry, Gamecock fans, talk your crap to Georgia fans. They have to take it on this one. You know, whether what, like you said, Chris, can Georgia find somebody very similar? Of course they can, man. They recruit as good as anybody out there. But if you're South Carolina. It doesn't mean you're not really happy to land this kid and, and bring in someone who uh, who absolutely has a chance to help your football team and um, build that momentum we're talking about, man. So uh, let, let's finish out with a little bit of draft talk. And Chris, we so we already had a show since J.C. Horn was drafted. So we already knew that on Friday. Now, since then, we've seen, what, Ernest Jones to the Rams shy Smith to the Panthers and then Izzy McQuamu to the Cowboys. Yep. Sarius Hutchinson does not get drafted. He was the guy of the sort of five that we were projecting that didn't go. And, um, a couple of guys, maybe, you know, I, I don't I wouldn't say Izzy went really later than we thought. I think we had sort of felt it could be kind of late. And, uh, now, shy, I, I thought there was maybe an opportunity for Shy to go a bit earlier than he did. Panthers should be a good fit for him, I, I think, and I think that kid's got a chance to be a good player in the NFL. like there's no question in my mind about that. the Now, the pick I really, really like is Ernest Jones to the Rams. Um, there are some Rams sort of connections to this program. Thomas Brown is out there. Uh, Joey Blake, former Gamecock nutritionist, is actually the nutritionist for the Rams as well. So you got some some little connections out there in L.A. And Ernest is honestly one of the more genuine dudes that South Carolina has had in recent memory. So you love it for him as a person. But I think some of that sort of transfers over to the field and the locker room and, and all this as well. Because I, I saw him. Um, by the way, the the uh, Jordan is it Rodriguez? Rodrigue? I don't. I'm not, I don't want to butcher Jordan her name.
1: Rodriguez. Yeah, that's it.
0: Rodriguez. Um, used to cover the Panthers, and I followed her stuff on Twitter when she was here. Now she covers the Rams. And one of the things I I want to credit her. I saw the tweet where they had said, you know, they identified Ernest as one of the guys in the draft that they were talking to that they like flagged. And this was not like a red flag, like a green flag type situation. They flagged him as being a future leader, and I was like, "Thumbs up on that evaluation." To me, Ernest is like the consummate locker room guy. Busts his tail in the in the weight room, busts his tail in the film room. Just a, a spokesman for your team. He was sort of the defensive spokesman for a couple of years there. Um, I know, Chris, you were the, you were there when he committed. Um, Took that long ride, as I like to remind you. But yeah, yeah you got to be happy for Ernest, and I, I, I think Ernest can can be a fit, man. I, I don't honestly truly know a ton about their defense as far as scheme and what they do. I don't dive into that with the NFL, but um, I know one thing. I will bet on Ernest Jones as a person every single day.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know the cool thing about Ernest is like Gamecock fans knew about him and, and what he could do on the field. Those leadership qualities, the production. But he really, I think, did himself a, a big favor at the pro day for South Carolina, putting up some of his testing numbers. They weren't freakish, which I think everybody expected, but they're probably better than expected in terms of what he put down on, you know, the vertical, the 40th shuttle. He, he tested well. He probably tested better than a lot of people thought. And, and so once he tested that way, which either validated or maybe went above what some people thought, um, that really helped him out. And And then teams obviously really, really liked what he was about mentally and then what he put on tape at South Carolina. And so um, that combination of factors led to sort of an uptick and buzz right before the draft with him. Um, One of the draft analysts, I can't remember if it was Kuyper, Daniel Jeremiah, but they started mocking Ernest Jones as high as maybe, I think the second round, some of the NFL people that we've talked to Wes started telling, Hey, Ernest Jones, I like this kid, you know, he's got a chance. So he eventually got into that upper echelon of this might be the second guy off the board for South Carolina. So yeah, super happy for him. Great kid. Um, I got to spend a day in Georgia on commitment day at his high school with him, with his high school coach at the time, Franklin Stevens, uh, Ernest, his mom. It was a blast and uh, he, he's a great kid. So really, really happy for him.
0: Uh Seneca on Facebook uh, says, "You may have already talked about the three commitments. Could you repeat them, please?" Um, I'm gonna be honest; like the the whole show has kind of been about the three commitments. So I would just uh, I would say go to youtubecom slash Central. rewind the show, start it from the beginning. We we went into a lot of depth, and actually we have separate videos on on there as well. Uh, one for Braden Tom or Braden Davis. Who is Braden Thomas? That's I don't know who that is. Braden Davis. Uh, We don't have one for Tyrese Ross. Maybe we can throw that together at some point this week as well, Chris. And then, of course, today, uh, Donovan Westmoreland is on there as well. So that's something we want to do more of as long as people are watching them. And uh, a lot of people watch the Braden Davis one. So we were really happy with that. Appreciate y'all doing that. So, yeah, Seneca, I would just go back, check those out. Um, (laughs) Lou Antonelli says, I'm by no means a recruiting guru, but it seems to me that our recruiting momentum started – when the Braves began losing daily, thank you for throwing that daily part in there, Lou. Really appreciate the the knives being out. Uh, hopefully, both trends continue. I think one trend is going to continue and one is not. But I, I got to say, the Braves right now not not a good topic of discussion. They are not playing well. Not going to make any excuses. They are uh, they're struggling. They are not playing well.
1: So after you you tweeted your, yeah, you just had to go do your tweet about uh, the Braves, you know, turning. They were about to go on a run. Yeah. Yeah. Not staying down for long. They're too good to do this, which I agree. It doesn't make, this isn't a Brave show. But I mean, you know, we, the pitching obviously has been an issue. And then the Bats would just inexplicably go cold and there's just not a lot of balance right now. But you do get the sense that, man, if they could get healthier on the pitching staff, get the bats together. These are proven bats. It's not like a guessing game. These are guys that can hit.
0: So yeah, they, it? the bats will be fine, man. Because for, mo- for most of this year, I don't know if it's still the case, for most of this year, the average exit velocity for Braves hitters has led the entire league. So if you're hitting the ball harder than anyone else, but you're not getting results, you've had a ton of bad luck. And that stuff will even out over time. Now the pitching, the fact that Max Fried was not himself, the bullpen, why, you know, this whole deal of going and getting, you know, hopefully he proves me wrong, but getting Drew Smiley, spending eleven million dollars on him when you could have you actually could have probably gotten Melanson and Shane Green for the same amount of money that that's proving to be a mistake. And the fact that the Braves owners do, they always limit their front office as far as how much they're willing to spend. When there were guys out there, you could have supplemented, you could have kept Lansing or got other guys to supplement the bullpen and they refused to do it. And, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. We'll see if they can turn it around, by the way, quick little preview for something I'm working on for a later show this week. But I continue. We talked about this a little bit, Chris. I continue to see this um, this narrative, which I actually I hate the word narrative. Everybody uses the word narrative now. Um, continue to see this trend. We'll use that word of people saying, basically, well, South Carolina had another guy drafted in the first round. How could we be so bad? And even on a on. The GC Instagram when I was posting all the guys that got drafted. Well, how you know Muschamp wasted all this talent? I am still of the belief, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put together the numbers. I've done some very early glances at it, but the problem I think it's it's not near as simple as saying there's all these guys drafted, so the the talent was misused. Which you know you can you can hate on Muschamp, hate on staff, hate on the results. The results are what they are. So you can say two win team last year. That's completely valid, right? But just a cursory glance at the 2021 NFL draft, and the, these are just just glancing at it. Team South Carolina either plays every year or has played you know, recently, the last couple of years. South Carolina, as we know, had four draft picks. This year, Alabama had 10, Georgia 9, Florida 8, LSU 7, Kentucky 6, Clemson 5, Missouri 5, UNC 5. Um, Obviously, like I said, South Carolina 4, Auburn 4, XA&M 4, I mean, most of the teams that you play, and, that, and that's just one year. So we all know these things can be a little, you know, you might have seven one year, one the next, and then eight the next. You know, it's, it's not a perfect – I think this is what I want to do. I want to go back over the last four years or five years. Like, I think you always look at four to five years in college ball because that's the – that's the span of an, you know, a guy's career in theory. Well, if you look, let's add up all the draft picks of the SEC and the teams that South Carolina plays on a regular basis. And then let's also average how high those draft picks are. I believe we would find that this like that that's not the argument you should be making. Like, oh, there's too many draft picks for South Carolina to have struggled the way they have. Well, look at how many guys the teams you are playing every single year are having drafted, which gets back to I think the ultimate takeaway is not that South Carolina has wasted all this talent. The ultimate takeaway is the cold hard truth is they've got to find more talent or develop the talent better when they have it. it is my takeaway, not that, not the other side, which is to me, a trend. I've just seen a lot on social media from people, Chris.
1: No, it's a great point. So when I think there's a few things there, so you, it's okay to say that th- there was enough talent to be better, whether it's like as a team overall or at certain spots, for example, something we've talked about a lot, Wes is, you know, maybe uh, the offense that had uh, Jake Bentley Rico Dowdle and Hayden Hurst, Brian Edwards, Shy Smith, uh, you know, that was an offense that should have been more productive than it was, right? Th- that's okay to say that. But you can't say a first, another first-round pick, that's two years in a row. Why did this team not win more? <laughs> you know, you can't say that because, like you pointed out, all these teams – I mean, Kentucky – has gone way up in their development of NFL players under Mark Stoops. The the job he's done there is one of the most underrated, in my opinion, like college football stories out there. But not not to go on a tangent about that. But it's almost like high school recruiting. Like a lot of people make oh, is South Carolina going to have a top twenty-five recruiting class this year? Well, hopefully, because that's almost the bare minimum just to tread water. If you're twenty-fifth or so in the recruiting rankings, you're probably 10th in the sec, right? So you need to be, you start getting championship level and recruiting rankings, obviously in, in, in exact science, but you need to be top 10. That's where you need to start getting. You need to start getting in the top 10 when you want to be in an elite of an elite. So that ratio of, you know, first rounders and blue chippers, that's something you need a lot more of. You can't just say, well, well one or two players in a couple of years, there's, There's 22 guys on the field on offense and defense, more on special teams. There's a lot that goes into it. So you do need even more of that first-round type talent. And then I think that the third part of this is in addition to that talent, you have to make sure that the back end of your roster, the middle part of your roster, that's, I think, what ultimately undid South Carolina. Yeah, there were some issues – you probably didn't get the coordinator right on offense There's some injuries. There's all these different things. I mean, we, we chalk up all these different reasons, but ultimately I think some of the holes on the roster were a little bit too much to overcome from a recruiting standpoint. And so, you know, you give a team several draft picks. I mean, that LSU team that won the national title, how many guys were drafted off that team absurd. And so when you have that much talent, you know, you're going to be good. And, I mean, one of the teams that absolutely drug South Carolina last year, West, was A&M, and they, they had one of the lowest numbers of draft picks that you gave last year, right, at four. Four. I remember watching A&M last year, and I literally laughed out loud when their defensive line trotted out on the field because they had, you know, Bobby Brown and DeMarvin Leal and all these guys. I mean, I was, like, laughing at it because they just looked like they were made in a factory, and so that that's a team that's – again, continued to uptick. Like, you look at the SEC and the way that they're recruiting, it is not getting any easier. Um, so, you got to go win some big-time battles in recruiting, and then you got to go develop those guys, and ultimately, I think you, you nailed it with first-round picks are great, awesome. Those guys are going to help your football team win games. Javon Kinlaw helped South Carolina win games. J.C. Horn helped South Carolina win games or keep them in games, made plays for them, but you need... Lots of those guys. Yes, yeah, you do, and, and as, <laughs> many as
0: many guys <laughs> as LSU lost from that team after last season, after the national championship season. And remember, we talked about it. They, I mean, they lost like twenty-something dudes that contributed to that team. I think mm-hmm. they had seven guys picked this year. Yeah, this year. Yep, that's crazy. And then that's that's not even getting into let's dive into where these guys are are being drafted like the average draft but you know if you want to go a layer we we may get an idea just from the raw numbers who's been drafted but and if there's an easy way to do it, I'm gonna do this. Let's dive deeper into the where you know where your guys are being picked as far as the different position groups go or excuse me as far as the different rounds of the draft i mean i mean is this right alabama had eight picks in the first two rounds this year like that's i think that's right but it just saying it almost sounds like it can't <laughs> be right, you right. Know, that that's insane so i mean that that's that's the other part of it a sixth or seventh round pick is not created equal to our first or second round pick and you know there are situations where a guy may be a great college football player and he may go fourth or fifth round because he just doesn't have the measurables they're looking for. So this is not an exact way of saying it, you know. But for the most part, it sort of gives you an idea um, of, of which which guys have, especially athletically, who's who's in the best position to go, you know, Win a lot of games and then being able to compare it. I mean, how how many guys? Frankly, Chris, how many guys or how many programs? When you did your star power thing each week, how many times did you look at it and say, "Wow, South Carolina's just got way more talent than this team on paper"?
1: It it didn't happen a lot. I mean, and again, I suppose saying like Kentucky, you look up and down their roster and you go, their entire secondary is four stars, you know, stuff like that. So. But then you t- you know, Kentucky, Josh Allen was a two star first round pick, number seven overall. So it, they're, they're, like you said, inexact, but teams are recruiting well. And, and here's another one, Wes. I mean, just side point on the draft. Go back to this one. Not only just players in general, how about quarterback? How many yeah. teams you're talking about have had first round draft pick quarterbacks or just really good quarterback play? Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, Matt Jones. In addition to all the weapons they have around them, right? And these guys that are getting drafted in the first and second rounds or beyond, elite quarterback play. You look back at South Carolina's recent draft history. That's another missing component, right? So that's that's another thing where you, you know, another just another area where you got to get better. I think.
0: All right, y'all. That's going to do it for today. Uh, good stuff. Appreciate y'all joining us as always, everybody in the chat. I was watching y'all's comments. We had some great thoughts over there. Hopefully. We hit most of your questions. We try to do that, and like I said, I'm going to work on that maybe for Wednesday's show. I think it'll be an interesting little dive into. I, I don't necessarily always go into the numbers, but I, I think this one is worth checking out just because I have this. To you know, to me, it's not just something I've seen maybe one or two people say. It's like a constant thread. It, like it, it, it's very common to see somebody say that online, and I think if you're if you're ever going to sort of fix something. You know, you kind of need to know what, what's going wrong. So uh, I think it's worth taking a look at. Uh, but for Chris, I'm Wes. Appreciate everybody joining us. Uh, go check out all the content on GamecockCentral.com. Uh, if you're on YouTube right now, check out our videos. We went in depth about Braden Davis. Actually, some some video in there that I don't think we've posted anywhere else in our little Braden Davis thing of him throwing. Was that Elite 11? Chris yes,
1: absolutely. Elite 11 regional camp.
0: Yeah, Braden throwing at the Elite 11 regional camp. Um, then, of course, uh, like we talked about, we got some Donovan uh, Westmoreland just going into his huddle film and all that stuff as well. So check that out. youtubecom slash Gamecock Central and on GamecockCentral.com. dot com. For Chris, I'm Wes. We'll see everybody on Wednesday. Y'all have a great rest of the day. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem.